I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hi there, I'm Nicole Otto, one of the producers of Power Trip, alongside Haley Walgreich and Rhoda Bieza. And I'm here today in conversation with Mary Hamilton, the writer of the series. If you've listened already, you'll know that Power Trip is about Jane, a hilarious, self-destructive woman who develops the ability to command people to do whatever she wants. And it doesn't always turn out how she expected. Mary is going to tell us about how she got into Jane's brain, her inspiration, and her process writing the show. So hello, Mary. Hi. How are you? I'm doing okay. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, to start, I just wanted to ask, you know, what made you want to write Power Trip? What drew you to the initial concept? Well, I think y'all first described it to me as Fleabag with magic. So I don't know how anybody wouldn't be drawn to that. Um, <laughs> I I like stories about people living unexpected lives on the fringes of whatever society they're in. And that's what Jane's story sounded like to me. This woman's life has made her desperate enough to go on the black market to get an organ transplant. And then she has to contend with the repercussions of her weird decision. 
uh, which is not something that I have any literal experience with, but it sounded imminently relatable to me. I think as a woman, there are just any number of situations where you're forced to go outside the bounds of what's normal and accepted and sadly now legal in order to have control over your life and your body. And at its heart, I think Power Trip is about just that. It's the links that women or, or anyone has to go to in order to get what they want and then the consequences if they actually succeed, which are often fraught with you know, guilt and punishment. I was also really drawn to this group that Jane meets, this group of others who share her abnormal powers where she finally finds her home. I think that in my life, I've been the happiest when I've stumbled upon the groups of other weirdos in any given situation. And I love the idea of this, this found family that Jane comes across and how her, her salvation ultimately comes through these connections rather than what she thinks she wants and needs in her life. Yeah, that's a really great way to put it. And I also... I love the fact that you mentioned the group because I think the push-pull of the dynamics between them is so much of what helps round out Jane. But I also like that you call out the fact that going on the black market to find a kidney is such a is such like an outlandish choice. And yet the very specific voice and sense of humor that you give Jane, just it, you immediately believe that she would do this. So I'm wondering, like, how did you get into Jane's brain? What inspiration did you use? Well, to be honest, Jane's brain, Jane's sense of humor is is very much my sense of humor. So, so that yeah. wasn't too much of a stretch. I I had the extremely good fortune of getting to work with my childhood best friend, Kara Horner, on this project. And I think if anybody in the world shares my my cynicism and my sense of humor and general worldview, it's her. Uh, it's what started us writing short movies together when we were ten years old, and and what made writing dialogue with her on this project and and trading Jane's voice back and forth between us so seamless. Yeah, absolutely. The two of you do have like a mind meld when it comes to her voice. (laughs) You know, you're a writer, Jane's a writer. And how do you think being a writer just impacts how Jane interacts with the world? And how did you use your own experience as a writer to inform that? Well, I think I think it goes back to this idea of, of feeling like an outsider, which Jane does when we when we first meet her. I started writing as a as a shy kid who found it a lot easier to explore relationships and worlds in my head than to navigate ones in the real world. And writing became a kind of retreat. And if you do that long enough, you you sort of get the mixed blessing of being able to see the world around you as as all potential material, which which can be a lovely way to flip a negative experience, but it can also leave you feeling or has left me feeling at times that you're you're rarely totally present in your life. Uh, like you almost have to kind of climb in from the outside. And then what we meet her, Jane is, is feeling very much on the outside of things. And she starts out thinking the powers are the solution to this, that she can just command herself into her life or more accurately command the world around her to be more accommodating to her. And in some ways she can, uh, until she can't. <laughs> and it's only when she starts to see herself as, as equally malleable and, and in need of vulnerability that she, she does start to find real moments of connection. Absolutely. And also like this, this highfalutin language that she uses sometimes, it just feels so naturally like something a writer would do in her voiceover. (laughs) I would often think that with reading the scripts, like her descriptive language is, is very specifically funny and almost has like a literary lilt to it at some moments. (laughs) I really love. So I want to talk about one of the themes that you just brought up, which is you know, it's in some ways the story is about learning what you want, but also learning that not everything that you want is good for you. And so can you speak to that theme and why it felt important to write about? 
definitely. Um, I think it's 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 maybe the most central conundrum of our existence that we want things we shouldn't. If we didn't, our lives would be easy and there wouldn't be any drama. And that might be really fantastic in real life, but it makes for pretty uninteresting storytelling. And I think it's this back and forth between wanting what we shouldn't and even going after it and then learning again and again in all sorts of ways that we shouldn't maybe have done that and then doing it again because, you know, we're human. And then I think it's also more complicated than that because there's the things that we shouldn't want because they're bad for us in some way, you know, substance abuse, unhealthy relationships, chocolate. And then there's the things that society tells us are bad. And those have a much more complicated and, and fraught relationship to our lives. So, you know, going out of bounds of social norms to like sleep with your friend's husband is not very cool, but going out of the bounds of social norms to, to get adequate healthcare or a decent education for your kids or, or control over your own body is a little bit more of a gray area. And I think that those gray areas don't have easy answers, but they're where most of us live. And, and so writing and talking about them feels important to me. And, and then I guess it's also just, just more fun to hear stories about people breaking the rules Something that you said, like, it just really stuck out to me. I like the idea that so much of adulthood, and I feel like in some ways this is like a bulldog's romance, but like a an adulthood one, like she's learning how to be an adult in some ways, Jane, or she's trying to learn how to be an adult. And it's like figuring out which boundaries to push, which boundaries not to push, when to adhere to the rules, when not to adhere to the rules. And it's like inevitable that you get it wrong. And I think that comes across so well, like in your writing and through the story. So you know that... Tatiana, well, you knew pretty much from the start that Tatiana Maslany was on the project. And was it helpful to know the actress who would be playing Jane when you were writing her? It was so helpful. Yeah, I, I think Tatiana is is incredible. And it was a huge draw when you told me that she'd be on the project because I had seen Orphan Black and thought at the time, you know, shit, this, this actress is the real deal. What I admire most about her acting in that show is, is her ability to seamlessly transition between characters and knowing that the actress playing Jane would have that superpower helped expand the limitations I was thinking about for her character. Uh, Jane is a woman who's really trying to figure out, as you said, who she is for the majority of the show. And I knew that Tatiana would find exciting places for her to go emotionally as she went on that journey. And one of my favorite things listening to the actual episodes is just the way that her delivery can be so wonderfully surprising versus how I imagined it, reading the scripts over and over again. It's just so unexpected and yet so perfect for the character. I just loved yeah. it so much. So you're a New Yorker. I'm a New Yorker. And you write about the city so vividly and authentically. And I, I wondered, like, what role does the setting of New York City play in the story, do you think? It almost feels like a character in some ways. Yeah, I mean, I, I always think the city living here is 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 a bit like an abusive relationship where you know it's painful and expensive and too hot or too cold and the trains don't work and everybody's angry and there's really no reason that anybody should choose this. But then there'll be this just amazing, beautiful day in September and you're walking through the village and you hear somebody playing jazz in the park somewhere and everybody's in a good mood and you're like, oh yeah, okay, I can I can do another decade of this. So I, I think the city has represented for Jane in particular this just insurmountable struggle, not unlike the physical struggle that she's undergone with her body. And it's felt impossible, but also she's just stuck in it in a way she kind of has to make it work or she won't feel like she's really accomplished what she needs to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I want to talk about Jane's kidney disease. You know, she's had multiple transplants throughout her life. She's very open about how living with a disability has impacted her life. 
both with, you know, through her voiceover and with other characters in the series. So how did you approach writing about that? Yeah, uh, carefully. Um, it's mm-hmm. it's not something I have direct experience with, and I certainly felt very aware of that the whole time I was writing. I guess it ties back to you know this idea of of grounding yourself in the character and knowing them as a person, and and hopefully then there's an authenticity to it, even if all of their experiences are not yours directly. So so I have had to deal with some serious medical issues, but I've never had anything as completely all-encompassing as Jane's disease. And I haven't had anything that's occupied such a large portion of my life. But it seemed to me that it was important to get to know Jane as a person first, not Jane as a person with this disease. So everything I could approach from a lived place with her, you know, trying to make it as a writer in the city, as you said, feeling mm-hmm. like an outsider, working endless nannying jobs to make ends meet. And then also just her sense of humor, her defensiveness, her insecurities, her relationships, all of those felt just as important in defining her character as this disease that she's living with. But her kidney disease is certainly also a huge part of her life and the experiences that she's been through have affected who she's become. So, you know, I did I did research. I talked with people living with conditions like Jane's and just tried to approach the subject as, as humbly as I could, knowing that I'm not going to fully understand it, but just doing my best to honor what the experience was like for her. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I know we had, we had doctors and and people living with disability review the scripts as well and all that into consideration. And I've seen a number of reviews actually calling out that representation, which has been really beautiful to see. So when we first meet Jane, she's sitting at a bar waiting for the date that she believes has stood her up. And then, you know, I, I don't want to spoil what happens at the end of the ep- first episode for those who haven't listened, but she has a very unique and chaotic approach to dating. And I, I was just wondering like what you think it says about her as a, as a person. <laughs> yeah. I, I think if we could answer that, we might unlock something for me about my own life. <laughs> 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 I think initially Jane's approach to dating and, and life in general is, is just to go full throttle toward whatever she thinks that she's supposed to want in any given situation. And that leads to no end of disasters, as you point out, because she's trying to fulfill some fictional idea of what her life should be, not what it actually is or who she actually is. And mm-hmm. over the course of the show is she she becomes more comfortable in her own skin that she can allow herself the, the vulnerability and the humility that it takes to really show up for somebody else in a real way. And, and then that's when she meets Leah, this, this character who doesn't just accept all the bullshit and the flexion that Jane's always mm-hmm. used to, to navigate the world, but actually challenges her to, to be a more honest version of herself. And so at that point, I think she's, she's kind of become ready to, to have a more real relationship. Right. And, and those friendships mm-hmm. are so like the way she approaches those friendships are so different from the way that she approaches dating. It's almost like she puts on this version of herself on her dates and right. sometimes like she deals with some insecurity and she does do that in these social encounters with the group, but not always. It's just so much realer almost like when the pressure of romance isn't there. Mm, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or that like pressure of the story that you said that she's trying to fulfill in her head. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of the group, do you have a favorite character in the series? Um, I mean, probably Jane for all of the reasons <laughs> that we've about. I think I went the deepest in terms of just her messiness and her impulsiveness and and her sense of humor and, and had the most fun with that. But I definitely uh, like and relate to aspects of all of them. I think Christian second to Jane probably stands out 
for his social anxiety and and his ability to disappear in public situations, which, you know, as we learned, is, is kind of a mixed blessing because it can save him from feeling such humiliation, but ultimately leaves him feeling kind of disconnected and alone. Yeah. I think Christian's one of my favorites too. I mean, Jane is my favorite truly, but if I had a secondary favorite, it would be Christian just because he's so earnest. Like he is so (laughs) but he still shows up as himself. It's only Mm -hmm. when the reactions happens both internally and from the other person that he starts to disappear. And Mm -hmm. I just love that one of his first lines is, you know, a Star Wars reference. Like he's still trying to show up as his dirty self. Uh I appreciate that. Speaking of scenes, do you have a favorite scene in the show? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm partial to Coney Island, so I'd probably pick that one. I find, I think it's, it's, it's this place that's itself so weird and messy and, and authentic to its own peculiar nature that it seems like the perfect place for Jane to have this massive meltdown because it's, it's a place that's kind of always having a massive meltdown. And, and I think that's also the, the, the first time we see the romantic tension in a real way between her and Leah and, and her complicated feelings about this, I think are one of the Kickstarters that leave her having to contend with who she is and, and what she wants. So it, it's this very big and over the top and loud and messy scene, but it actually boils down to something really simple. This, this need for connection that I think is at the heart of her story. And it's fun sound design wise too, to like hear all the games and the rides in the background and you have all these hilarious interactions within the group, but then you have also one of the more like tender scenes in the show. It's also just hilarious to me that a bunch of New Yorkers end up at Coney Island. <laughs> it's very, it took me, I think six years living here before I actually made it out there. I feel like I have ended up there in so many random and unexpected nights (laughs) (laughs) for Jane to end up there. And then the last question I have actually relates to something that we asked our whole team here. Uh, It's another bonus episode. If you want to check it out listeners, but it's, if you had Jane's power, what would you do with it? And then if you could have any other power, which one would you want and why? Okay. So I think, I think having the ability to command people to do what you want would be a total nightmare. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You'd have to know what you want, right? Which I I almost never do. I'm I'm incredibly indecisive. I, I, I guess if I had to, I would, it would have something to do with time. I'm, I'm forever running late and feeling bad about running late. And so if there was some way to, to, I guess, command people to, to not be so concerned about time. Um, and then maybe that would be helpful. As far as other powers, I don't know. I, I guess I'd, I'd like the power to to focus and and complete things more efficiently. I'm so boring. I guess it, it'd be fun to fly. I don't know. <laughs> it would be fun to fly. I would just like, how long would it take? You know, like if you, if you were trying to fly somewhere, like what's my speed? That's what I always wonder about when it comes to flying. Well, maps have a function for that. (laughs) I know. And then because it's, I always like to meet the, uh, beat the Google maps estimate. I would be like, I do it in six, not eight minutes. (laughs) I think the ability to focus is something that everyone kind of wants right now. There's like so many articles about there, out there about how like attention span is decreasing there is such a satisfaction with actually being totally mentally engaged with what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And I think that would be a great one. Mm -hmm. I think the most popular one at Realm in the answers was teleportation. Sure. Yeah. Especially now. Mary, thank you so much for joining us and talking us through this. It was so wonderful to have you for lending your genius. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the special episode 
with writer Mary Hamilton. And make sure to check out all episodes of Power Trip if you haven't yet. I command you.